Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to The Ferment. We're here with uh, KB and Sean Dean. And uh, welcome, guys. How are you today? I'm very good. I'm very excited that we're back in Studio One and first podcast for 2022. Definitely nice to be here. And what is a little bit cloudy but lovely day here in northeast Victoria. How are you today, Sean? I'm very good, thank you, Harry. I'm a little bit nervous at what's to come, but uh, yeah, no, looking forward to it. It's a fantastic day out there. It's nice and dry, which is good. (laughs) Yeah, better better than the rain that we've had, which we'll get to shortly. Now, uh, KB, how did you go over the break? Did you get away? What were some of the highlights? We had a great time over the break, over Christmas. Uh, We got down to Meetung. Uh, We had Ross and Judy down there. They're very hard to pin down these days and to get some time with them. So we went fishing and cooked up a storm, drank lots of wine. So it was wonderful. Awesome. What about you, Sean? Uh, Yeah, we had Christmas in Wang for the first time ever, actually. So we've been here for 12 years. We generally always sort of ship off to Adelaide or down to Melbourne. Uh, But this year we decided to bring everyone to us, which was great. And then... Uh, after New Year, we headed down to Janjak for a week. Uh, the kids surfed. I tried to surf and failed. Uh, and they had a good laugh at my expense. So it was nice. good. Yeah. Actually, that reminds me, last time we were talking, you were you phoned in and you were looking over Janjak Beach with a glass of Pike's Riesling. It's a great spot, Harry, <laughs> great spot. And we're just on your way to the pub, I think. Sounds about right. Yeah, very good, very good. As you two will know, I got over to the UK on the break and far out it was so good to get there. You know, we left here where you had to check in everywhere and show your um, vaccine certificate and you got to the UK, it was basically like COVID didn't exist. They totally said, we can't really do anything. The numbers are getting beyond us. We can't track you. So there was no checking in anywhere. Had to show my passport certificate, no, sorry, my vaccine certificate twice. And that was to go to big events. That was it. When are we going to get there? Well, that's, I just thought that's, was great for me to see that because I thought, wow, you know, I'm coming back to Australia where I do have to go back and check in but there's some light at the end of the tunnel. And I think, fingers crossed, in the next sort of uh, four or five months, we'll get to that stage, I reckon. Well, I just say, look, we just can't track this anymore. And fingers crossed. That's our mm. political hit for the, the ferment. We, we, we hit all the hard topics here. Yeah, let's <laughs> move on to the vineyards, eh? <laughs> exactly. Get into our wheelhouse. Yep. <laughs> all righty, Shawnee. So let's have a bit of a talk about the season. We might go by, via regions. Yep. Um, we're heading into... Vintage 2022, the King Valley, Banksdale and Millowa Vineyards. We, scarily enough, had a massive storm only a couple of weeks ago go through here and I'm sure that's put some sort of effect, but how are we tracking through you know, our Banksdale and Millowa sites? You're right, we certainly had some pretty stormy and scary weather over sort of the last two weeks really. We had, we had a big storm go through in late January and in that storm we had about 80 mil fall both at Banksdale and Millowa. Uh, and then last week, last Wednesday, I think it was, we had a big storm come through the King Valley again. We got another 50 mil at Banksdale. We didn't get nearly as much rain here at Miller. We got about 17 mil, but we had huge winds and quite a bit of damage actually through sort of Miller, the township. We had oh, trees falling on houses. We had lots of limbs down, really big winds. But luckily enough, I mean, obviously that amount of rain is a concern in the vineyards with the disease pressure, but we had a good look through both Miller and Banksdale and we didn't get any any hail or any rose down due to the wind. So although we had the rain, which we'd rather have not had, 
Uh, we didn't get any significant damage in those vineyards. We can deal with disease pressure. We can spray a little bit more. We can leaf block. We can drop fruit if we need to. Uh, it's very hard to deal with hail mm. on fruit and, and vineyard rows down. So we were lucky in that respect. So as long as we get dry weather now, we <laughs> uh, yeah we should have a good vintage ahead of us. Fingers, yeah. fingers crossed all round. KB, you live not too far from here at Millaway. How was, how was your house? How did it pan out? Well, it was so interesting. It seems like the storm sort of came through the King Valley, hit Edai. Fran lives out uh, in Edai and she actually said that one of her sheds lifted up from the ground and moved a whole metre. Whoa! So that just gives you an idea of what the winds were like. And then it seems like it lifted again and then came down here at Millowa. Uncle John got a tree on the front of his place and then it seems like it ripped all the way up the snow road. And talking to the local CFA, they closed the snow road between Millowa Football Club and Rurali because there were just so many trees down that they just had to shut things down and, yeah, clean it up. There was something they'd never seen before. Wow. Yeah, it went right up into the Alpine Valley as well, KB. So mm. there was quite a few vineyards up there that had a significant amount of damage. Mm. We don't have any grower sources up in the Alpine Valley this year, which is probably a good thing. Um, and, yeah, certainly through that E-die cutting was, was where the storm was fiercest, I guess. Uh, but even our grower sources through that area, they got 65 mil. They got a small amount of hail, but nothing that should be a huge concern. It was really weird, yeah. like uh, driving up towards Whitfield, so heading towards the old Whitlands vineyard, there's this one little pocket of the, the, that, that drive where it just looks like a, a tornado came through. Yeah. You know, there's no trees yeah. down anywhere else on the drive and then this one little pocket where there's heaps and heaps, like right on this this corner not far out of um, Whitfield itself. Yeah. And it's just like, man, it just must have been so targeted. Yeah, and that's the thing with those storms and why they're so scary is you can sort of – you can be absolutely hammered and then 5Ks down the road you wouldn't have even known there was a storm. Well, this was the thing – you know, I was in Wangaratta looking out at this massive black – cloud and we didn't really get any rain at all like it just never got to us uh, you know it was bizarre so kb was the veggie garden okay <laughs> most importantly the, most importantly the tomatoes are looking fantastic oh, good <laughs> and zucchinis galore so no problems there now talking about mother nature we are really at her whim but looking back to earlier on in the growing season, so back to spring, it's an important time for grapevines to get that fruit set. So, Sean, can you tell us a bit about where we're at? Yep, certainly can. So in the King Valley, we actually had an earlier than average bud burst. Um, so if you look at the Riesling here at Millowa, that bursted at, in sort of mid-September, which is about seven days earlier than what we generally expect. And also the Prosecco at Bankstale, that bursted sort of early September and again, was probably four to five days earlier than what we'd, we'd expect. Spring was really wet and cold in the King Valley. So both Miller and Bankstale vineyards in those spring months, so by spring months I'm sort of talking about September, October, November, we had 40% more rain than what we generally expect through those months. So it was very wet. And that did increase the disease pressure through spring, so we did have to spray more. And it was quite cool. So we're about one to two degrees below our long-term average for those months. So cool, wet spring. Lead, so although we had an early bud burst, we actually had a later than average flowering and it was quite an extended flowering period. 
All of that aside, though, the bunch numbers were very good when we came to do our bunch counts. The fruit actually in the King Valley set very well, so the yields were looking very good. And as long as growers were spraying regularly, then the disease level was under control, canopies were healthy and we were set up quite well for summer. And with all this wet weather, and then we've had quite warm weather following that, we've had this intense humidity I'm sure the others in the room will agree that we've had some moments where we've actually felt like that we're in far north Queensland, uh, where you walk out the door and you are just in a ball of sweat. How does that... Or or in the house, the air conditioner doesn't keep up too well when the humidity hits and everyone gets a bit testy after that stage. Exactly. (laughs) Remember to have it on call, Harry, not just vent. Vent, yeah. My daughter did that yesterday and Melissa went off her chops. (laughs) So with all this humidity, how's that impacting the grapes and the growing yeah. season? Oh, you're right. Like it felt like Darwin in Millua for quite a few weeks there. We had a very wet January. So to give you, I don't want to quote too many figures here, but during January, Millua had 170 mil of rain and Banksdale had about 165 mil. And to give everyone an idea of what we normally get in January, Miller was about 40 mil and Banksdale's sort of 65 mil. So we certainly have had a lot of hot and humid weather through January and that does increase the disease pressure in the vineyards. The main concerns that we had in January at uh, Miller was, was downy mildew and Banksdale's a little bit different. We were more concerned about powdery mildew there. Um, I must say though that the vineyard guys have worked extremely hard uh, to keep disease at bay uh, both in our own vineyards and also in, in our grower source vineyards in the King Valley. Uh, there's been a lot more spraying that's had to have occurred. So most vineyards have sprayed probably 30% more than what they would. Uh, on our own vineyards, we've done a lot more leaf plucking. Um, as I said before, we have dropped some fruit in certain blocks. Uh, and the leaf plucking in particular really helps to open up those canopies, uh, helps dry the fruit out and also helps get that, that spray in and around the bunches, which is really important. Really, the vineyards are looking very good at the moment given the amount of rain that we've had and that's due to all of the hard work that the guys and girls on the vineyard have, have put in. And then to really throw things out of whack... Then last week we were pulling on our jumpers and pulling out the bottles of Pinot Noir because it got cold again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so look, as even though it was cooler, as long as it stays dry, then that's probably a good thing. The weather that we're having right now, KB, is great for the vineyards. We're certainly starting to dry those vineyards out, which is good. And the fruit's now starting to ripen and we, we can't wait to get into harvest now. It's sort of a later start for us. Uh, so we're, yeah, chomping at the bit to get into it. And we're happy with crop sizes? Oh, look, the yields in the King Valley look really good. Yeah, so bunch counts were sort of average to above average across most vineyards. And with the rain that we've had in January, bunch weights will be heavier than, than average. So there'll be heaps of Prosecco out there for the sales and marketing guys to have a lot of fun with. It's good. I just had a a quick couple of questions without notice, Sean. Can you just as simply as possible describe the difference between powdery and downy mildew for our listeners? You know, we're not viticulturalists. Just what the differences are and how it might affect the vine if we didn't get on top of it from a spray program? Yeah, so downy mildew, if you're looking through the vineyard, downy mildew on a vine leaf will be a big yellow splotch on the leaf if you're looking at the upside of the leaf. And then if you get sort of warm, humid nights, 
if you flip that leaf over, you'll see these nice fluffy sort of spores on the underside of the leaf. And those spores can move throughout the vineyard very quickly and cause lots of other yellow spots. And eventually, if that disease goes unchecked, the vine can defoliate and you can lose yield, essentially. Yep. It'll, it'll essentially kill the leaves and the fruit and you'll end up with a vine that looks like it's in the middle of winter if it's bad enough. So it can be, can be really damaging if, if not controlled. Powdery mildew is slightly different. Imagine if you had a bag of flour, essentially, and you had some vine leaves and you just scattered the flour on top of the, the leaf. It'll leave that sort of powdery, flour, flowery sort of look on the leaf. And that will also spread to the bunches. And it won't kill the leaf or the bunch, but it'll significantly downgrade the quality of that fruit and can alter uh, the quality of the wine. So both are damaging. Uh, powdery mildew will have a greater effect on, on wine quality, arguably, whereas downy mildew will just drop all of your leaves and drop your fruit as well. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, the other one that I had was on the leaf plucking. Are we doing that by machine? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we've got a mechanical leaf plucker that we've had for, oh, 12 years, I guess. So it started off on our Whitlands property and now it's sort of, well, we use it both in Bankstall and also Millua. Uh, so we'll go through and leaf pluck around sort of when the berries are peppercorn stage. So they're quite small and still hard and green. And we'll go through and, and remove sort of 50 to 70% of the leaf on one side of the row, so on the morning side. And by doing that, we're opening up the canopy. And is it like a big fan that sucks the leaves through? Suck, and spits, yeah, spits that's right. So it's basically sucking the leaves in to a couple of rollers and that's essentially cutting that leaf off. So there's a few different sort of models out there. Some will actually blow the leaves off. The one that we have will suck the leaves in and then it'll cut those leaves off. Do those leaves then go fall on the ground and act, act as a mulch? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they certainly go onto the ground. Alrighty, well that's great, Sean. So it sounds like King Valley wet, but in we're good hanging shape. in there. Yep. Yeah, we're and we're in good shape at the moment. Yeah, yep. beautiful. All right, well let's move over to Heathcote. How did we fare over at the at the Heathcote Vineyard? Yeah, look, similar sort of start to uh, the growing season. So we had a oh, pretty well an average sort of bud burst at at Heathcote with Shiraz, but it was a cool and wet start to the season. So that's very similar to how it was in the in the King Valley. The main difference, though, is in December it was it was warm and dry, and in January they had about average rainfall. So we certainly didn't get the falls in central Victoria like what we did here in the northeast. So when you walk through the the Heathcote Vineyard at the moment, uh, it's a far drier environment there and far less issues with disease. We've got no real disease concerns at Heathcote. Yields look really good in Heathcote, probably the best they've looked in quite a few years, which is fantastic. And we've actually done a little bit of fruit dropping in that vineyard on things like Jurif, Malbec and Montepulciano to make sure that we're getting going to have the fruit intensity in those wines. So all up, Heathcote's looking really good at the moment. And over to Mystic Park, so our vineyard up in the Murray Valley. This area is renowned for being the warmer, drier uh, growing area. Do we have those conditions this year? Yeah, Mystic Park was an interesting one. It was probably similar through spring as the other vineyards that we've talked about. It's certainly cooler at Mystic and they had, they had about average rainfall through the spring months. 
Mystic Park has been very lucky through sort of the summer months. You you would have heard probably in the news there's been some big storms up in the north of the state. Areas like Mildura have had sort of 80 mils in, in January, which is almost unheard of. Robbenvale's had about 50 mils. Even Swan Hill, which is right near Mystic Park, has had a fair bit more rain than what we have. But the Mystic Park vineyard has, in January, had right on sort of average rainfall. Yeah, so as I said, we've been very lucky there. The yields are looking good there. The canopies are certainly nice and healthy and strong because we have had that cooler spring. And yeah, we're, we're set up for a good vintage there, I'd say. So we're always working on something a little bit different, a little bit of innovation. Is there something interesting that's coming out of Mystic Park at the moment? Yeah, well, one variety that we're really excited about it at Mystic Park is Fiano. It's the second year that we're going to bring in Fiano from that vineyard. Last year was our first crop. Uh, we've actually grafted a little bit more Fiano on that, that vineyard and we think that Fiano is really well suited to Mystic Park. It's a really high acid variety and likes warm conditions. We're actually picking it, I think, next week, so it'll be interesting to see how it comes in. I know Simon, who makes the wine, is really excited about it. Uh, we also have a grower in Merbeen, which is near Mildura, uh, and we actually brought that fruit in today. came in at about 11.5 Beaumet and looks fantastic. So that is one thing that we're working on at Mystic and, and we're excited about KB for sure. Excellent. And I understand we've had a few vintages of Nero Diavla from Mystic Park. Are we seeing strengths from that variety as well? Yeah, I think so. I, I think we we tried Nero at Heathcote for quite a number of years. Couldn't quite get it right there. I think we're, we're on the right track at, at Mystic Park. It's a slightly warmer environment, which I think the variety responds to. And last year the wine was fantastic and the vines are in great balance this year. John's been very careful with the amount of irrigation he's given those vines and has controlled the crop by watching his irrigation very carefully. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that comes in this year. Now, Sean, I was talking to Jeff the other day and he was saying that the Yarra Valley, the yields will probably be down a bit. What do you think was the cause of these lower yields across the Yarra Valley region? Yeah, the Yarra Valley was probably pretty similar to the King Valley in the, in the way that it had a very cool and wet spring period Harry so and probably more so than the northeast actually and when the pinot in particular was going through flowering which is sort of mid-November they had exceptionally wet windy and cold conditions and in the Yarra Valley and and also Tasmania when you get those poor conditions during flowering it can really knock your yield around quite substantially and you can get poor set and by poor set, what I mean there is you can get a lot of hen and chicken in the in the vineyard. And what that essentially is, is you've got hen, which is your sort of your standard size berry. And then you get all of these little chickens, which is essentially really poorly set fruit. So very small berries. And what that does to your bunch size is in, instead of getting sort of 100 to 120 gram bunches of Pinot, you end up getting... 40 to 60 gram bunches of Pinot. So, and that unfortunately is what happened in the Yarra Valley this year. We had poor conditions at flowering, poor set, which caused hen and chicken, and then we get really light bunches. Yep. Yeah. 
And if we are down a bit in the vineyard, have we got any watchouts for our team that uh, we might be sort of short on a few things? Yeah, look, probably the, the things like Shiraz, uh, even Chardonnay, agree that they should be fine. The, the main one to watch out for is, is Pinot, so the IB Pinot and the IB Pinot Rosé. We are doing all that we can to try and meet that demand. We're trying our best to find new sources of fruit. Uh, we're looking at juice purchases wine purchases out of Vintage 22 but in reality everyone else in the Yarra Valley is doing exactly the same <laughs> thing so it's going to be quite challenging until we get on to the Vintage 23. Just um, have to pay more money. <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly. All right well that's very exciting it sounds like everything's geared up for a really good vintage and yeah fingers crossed this rain and humid weather just pisses off for the remainder and we get a, a really good end to the season 2022. Yeah exactly and these conditions that we're getting right now are, are fantastic so we can't wait to get into it it'll be good. Yeah absolutely. Now Sean last time we caught up when you were sucking down that Riesling down at uh, Janjuk Beach we talked a lot around sustainability and the, yeah. the things that we were doing and I thought just given you're here giving us a catch up we might just touch on those things and see how you've progressed and you know it's super exciting the things that we were, we're doing you know with the Orca food waste system in uh, in the Yarra Valley at our, our uh, innocent bystander site the amount of water reduction that we've got the amount of recycling that we've been doing you know the things that we're doing are incredible but what we want to really get into is how we've progressed over these last sort of seven to eight months you know where we're at with the sustainable wine growers of australia so have you got a bit of an update as to where we're at now yeah i do there's been a fair bit of movement in this space particularly i might spend a little bit of time just talking about sustainable wine growing Mm. australia and where we're at with that so four your listeners' benefits. All of our company vineyards and also both of our wineries have been members of Sustainable Wine Growing Australia for two years now and we've been reporting into this program. And I guess I see a couple advantages to being a member of SWA and that process and how that's assisted us in firstly developing an environmental roadmap for our wineries and vineyards specifically. So Through reporting into SWA, we've been able to develop this roadmap and we've come up with three categories of focus for the wineries and vineyards and they are probably no surprise to your listeners, but the three categories of focus that we've come up with are water, energy and waste. And for each of those categories, we've set some medium and long-term goals for the business to focus on. And I'll just touch on a few examples. So if we look at water, one of the goals that we've set uh, for sort of the Oh, right now really through through into the medium term is that all of our vineyards exceed the SWA benchmark for tonnes produced compared to the megalitres of water that we use. So that's our overall target and then there's a number of projects that we're working on to assist us with that target. So those projects are things like improving our soil moisture monitoring um, capability at vineyards like Millower and also Devil's Corner improving our irrigation controller capacity as well. So we've got some quite old irrigation controllers at Millowa and also at Devil's Corner. So uh, there's been some work over the last year to, to upgrade those controllers. And by doing that, we can then irrigate far more efficiently. And then the other big project that we've been looking at is renewing irrigation infrastructure like drip tube. So taking drip tube that's 10, 15, 20 years old and replacing it with new drip tube. Again, that increases the efficiency in which we can water and reduces our water waste. 
One of our other goals around energy is that we want to aim for a 20% of our electrical use to come from renewable sources by 2024 and 50% by 2030. So that's the overall target. Obviously, there's projects that we need to work on as a business to achieve that, and that's looking at solar, I would think, in our master planning here at Millowa. We know that the solar project at Innes Bystander has been a huge success, so it's taking those learnings and moving it into a, to a bigger scale here at Millowa. Uh, and lastly, if we look at waste, uh, one of our targets there is we want to be able to reuse about 50% of the wastewater that we produce here at Millowa. We want to be able to reuse that back onto the vineyards here at Millowa. And I know that Luke and his team are working on that project at the moment. It's in its infancy at this stage, but it'd be fantastic if instead of putting all of that wastewater onto the tree lot, we can treat that water to a higher level and then push it back onto our vineyards. That'd be a great sustainable story. The second real benefit with reporting to SWA, in my opinion anyway, is it gives us a reporting framework and ensures that we can then capture all the necessary information that we need in in order to continuously improve our operations. And we haven't had that before. So by clearly outlining radio, well, how much water are we using on each vineyard? How much power are we consuming in the winery? If If we track that in a systematic way, then we can look at ways to improving our position there. And that's what SWA is all about at the end of the day. Uh, So the next steps with that program really is about us becoming certified members of the SWA program, which is using the Fresh Care National Standard. And we've already started down that process. So in, in December, we had members... Well, all the vineyard managers, members of the winery team, as well as our risk and sustainability team, we went through the initial training of how to become certified under the fresh care system. And through that, we clearly identified, right, well, what do we need to do in order to get our vineyards and wineries certified? And we've highlighted that we're going to start with Devil's Corner, Kaina and the Heathcote vineyards to become certified and also both of the wineries. Uh, Now that's going to take some time. Our aim is to try and get the vineyard certified by September this year and then we'll move on to the winery. So that's really exciting. Being certified really gives us credibility in this space and then from there we can move to our other vineyards and then into our grower supply. So we've always had a very close relationship with our growers. Are you able to work with these growers to implement the SWA for them as well? I think so, KB, yeah. So we've set ourselves a goal by the end of this year to have 75% of our externally sourced fruit to be under at least members of SWA. Currently, we're sitting at about 50%, uh, which I think is a good start. And it's important that I sort of highlight that We're aiming for them to just be members at this stage, not certified members. I think it's going to be harder to get them across the line as far as certifying them under this scheme. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're starting with our own vineyards and our own wineries so we can learn exactly what's involved with becoming certified, the cost of doing so, yeah, also the the time that it's going to take to get to get people across. Essentially being leaders, so... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, if we, if we don't start ourselves, then it's going to be very hard for me to go to any of our growers and say you should be certified if we haven't done it ourselves. Mm-hmm. To, to get 50% already is amazing, really. Yeah, uh, so... Uh, what that, was the reaction? Like, were they 
Yeah, so look, that is, I should clarify that a bit. That's 50% of our total volume of fruit. Um, So what I've done is I've tried to target growers that are supplying us with a thousand tons of fruit rather than someone who's who's supplying (laughs) us us with five. Yeah, that's right, exactly. (laughs) Um, Because those larger growers have got more capability to become members and certify themselves as well. Yeah, it's it, look, you get a whole range of different views from a grower group, obviously. So you've got some members of our grower community that are right on board and have taken it upon themselves to become involved, and then you've got others that are more hesitant. And that essentially is my job, is to try and take those growers that are hesitant, show them the benefits, both to them and also us as a business, and then hopefully by doing that we can, we can be successful together. Now, Sean, we've been talking about sustainability sort of out in the vineyards, but day-to-day, how can us as a Brown Family Wine Group team make a difference for sustainability? That's a really good question. I think the main way, KB, is for everyone to simply be aware and look for improvements in their everyday work, really, and they could be really small things. So do you need to print that piece of paper Are you sorting your waste when you're chucking things out? Have you turned off your computer at night? They're like really little things that you can do. Are we looking at truly considering things like fuel use, water use, energy use when we're purchasing bits of equipment, whether that's in the vineyard, in the winery, in the packaging facility or even in restaurants? Are we considering these things? Are we looking to source material locally? Do we have the correct waste bins in our offices and in our common areas? And if you think that something can be improved, then yell out, scream it out to your your manager and take it upon yourself to make a change rather than expecting someone else to do it. I think that's really important to get across, that it's not down to a few. If we're going to be successful in this space, everyone needs to be on board. Well, that's brilliant, mate. Sounds like everything's tracking along nicely with uh, Sustainable Wine Growers Australia and some of the gains that we're making, both environmentally and, you know, efficiency-wise. Yeah, I think we're getting there, Harry. It's been a long process, but I think we've got the framework in place now where we can identify areas to improve um, through reporting into SWA and then make some real, real change based on that. And I think becoming certified will give us credibility in this, this space. The other thing that we haven't touched on, which is exciting at Heathcote, is we're looking at this year sort of starting the conversion process of the Heathcote vineyard into organic production, which will be a big change for that vineyard and is really exciting. So that will be a longer-term process. But yeah, by hopefully by sort of mid this year, we'll be at the point where, where we can start having our initial audit for that organic conversion. And then it's a three-year period where we're in conversion to organics. And then if all the stars align, then yeah, in three years' time, that, that vineyard will be organically certified. So from my understanding, we've been running trials for a number of years for organics. We have, KB, yeah, so probably three to four years, I'd say. We sort of started, we've been doing it in D3 Shiraz, so it's a very small block of Shiraz at Heathcote, and it's been very operational. So just looking at, okay, well, can we operate this vineyard with organic principles in mind um, from a fungicide perspective, from a weed control perspective, and from a fertiliser perspective? And how, if we do that, how is that going to impact both the quality of the fruit and then also the economic outcomes of that vineyard? And we're confident now that, yeah, we can confidently manage that vineyard 
organically and still get a great result out of the vineyard, both economically and from a fruit quality perspective. So yeah, we thought, well, let's let's go ahead and, and get certified and, and go from there. That's really exciting. They're sort of the buzzwords at the moment, aren't they? The sustainability side of things is, you know, you're seeing so much more media and attention around sustainability and organics is you know, right up there as well. So to have uh, some really clear goals and, and some things that are really tangible that we'll be able to use from a sales and marketing point of view will be fantastic moving forward. Yeah, that's right. And I think we really need to focus in this area. Otherwise, you're right, Harry, we can quite easily get left behind in this space. Well, you're starting to see companies not deal with other companies because they don't have some sort of plan or focus or goals moving forward in these fronts. So yeah, we're on the front foot there and it's exciting moving forward. Alrighty, Sean, we might leave it there. So thank you so much for giving us the update on the vineyard and uh, how we're tracking on the sustainability front. It's uh, been terrific uh, getting that information in. No worries, guys. Thank you. All the best for Vintage 2022. Cheers. <laughs> How good was that, everyone? If you have any feedback for us at The Ferment, please send us an email, theferment at brownfwg.com.au. Also, don't forget to check out our Tasting Note podcast. Thanks for listening to The Ferment, everyone. Stay safe out there, chase hard, look out for each other.